Ward's got another one-on-one here. Martin, an almost opportunity. Motlock, directly in front, kicks it. 30-point Carlton lead. Deep on the kick, Dawson. No mark, McAdam for a six-goal. Taylor, look Stevenson, yo, with some dash, taking it on. The barrel for territory, that could do it. The mark to Allen. The seconds tick down. It got so tight towards the end. But it's a sweet taste of victory for West Coast. It's NPO Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday night, the 1st of August. And we've just got through round 20 of the AFL season. And it's that time of the year where... Players that we've been used to seeing run around for quite some time start to announce their retirements. And one would argue possibly the biggest name in the game for the last, you know, 10 plus years has announced he's going to retire. And I've seen the most ridiculous stat rubbish on a social media post where I think it was Fox Sports had worked some bloody formula out to say that this chap, Buddy Franklin, has kicked the most goals in AFL football. What are your thoughts, Aaron, and how are you? Um, I'm going well, and my thoughts are that someone is just trying to get attention. Um, if you want to talk about, um, you know, some people saying that Buddy Franklin's the best forward ever, um, name one all-time great defender that he's played on in the last however long of his career when, you know, Lockett and Dunstall played on Jakovic and Silvani and these sorts of like every single week of their career. Yep, 100%. Um, Basically, look, we know when it comes to those two full forwards in particular and probably I'll be biased, more so plugger, it's probably why Matthew Scarlett's got a reasonable record as a fullback because I don't think he would have stopped Lockett in particular and most likely wouldn't have stopped Dunstall either. No, he didn't have to play on any any <coughs> um well any thousand goal forward really, did he? No, so... look probably the most prolific goal scorer he would have played on in his era would have been nearly uh, the G train. And the G train played a lot of football up back originally anyway. I would have said Matthew Lloyd as well. Yeah, look. But, the again, again, they're not um, in the same category as Ablett, Dunstall or Lockett, are they? So let's just um, acknowledge that Buddy's been a very good player for a very long time, but let's not (laughs) pretend that. We need to go and readjust stats just to appease some people. Yeah, true, true. And um, also with the dot making this formula, they didn't work, you know, just didn't mention how they worked it out. Um, it didn't account for accuracy. And let's be brutally honest, um, one, one real smudge on his game is his accuracy on a set shot, I would argue. Yeah. Um, not the most reliable. Not n- not reliable at all. <clears throat> I'm not sure how many behind you kicked, but uh, 
I've worked it out in the past, and I believe um, Lockett was a, a smidge under seventy percent, and that's about the best of of the big forwards um, as far as accuracy, or you might call it efficiency rate goes. Uh, I believe by memory, Dunstall was low sixties. So low to middle 60s compared to Lockett, which was about 69 point something or other. So, I mean, I'm pretty confident saying that Buddy's not in those sort of numbers. So, no, he'd barely be 50%. I reckon he wouldn't be much. He'd be between 50 and 55. And look, you alluded to it a little bit in our inbox when you actually mentioned cricket and football, where. Um, you said that they changed the rules in both sports for certain players to be stars. Yep. And let's be brutally honest, in the era uh, where Lockett, Dunstall, those sort of guys um, played, a lot of buddies would have been play on. Yep. So here's the, if you're in the, if you're in, if you're a cricket fan and you're in the camp that um, there needs to be an asterisk next to Muralitharan's wicket because of his action and the controversy surrounding that, um, then good on you. That's fine. Um, but if you're in that camp, then you have to be in the camp that they changed rules to, for Buddy too, for his, his arc and his run because he ran, he runs off his mark every single time and not one umpire's got the balls to call play on. Um, nah, and because and, the umpires didn't have the balls to call play on, they just changed the rule. That's right. And the thing is, they basically had to cover their asses, as we know, for especially not so much why there's still time left on the clock, but that kick after the siren in particular. Yep. What are your thoughts on and, Buddy, Jez? Uh, fabulous career. I don't think you couldn't really couldn't really dream up a better career than his. He's won a couple of flags. He's kicked a thousand goals. Um, and well, I wouldn't at the start when he when he got that nine year deal at Sydney. I was thinking, oh, I don't know, is it, is it, how's, how's it going to go? I, I I would call it a success. That worked out so, all right for all parties. Yeah. All yeah. Yeah, like yeah, like um, look, he didn't win a flag. He went to like, three grand finals, I think, Sydney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think I would call that a, or I would call that part a success, the Sydney part. Yeah. Um. I, I want to move on from from Buddy a little bit here. Um. <clears throat> talk about Port Adelaide for a second. They've dropped a few games in a row, but interestingly enough, if you look at their injury list, Alir Alir. And Lockie Jones are both listed as being out with concussion. Yeah, they've got put through the concussion protocols now. That's I thought is that is that normal for migraines or Well, Lockie Jones got subbed out with a migraine and Alir Alir never copped a knock to the head. So how did they both get concussion? Weird. <clears throat> it is strange. Um would uh, the AFL um be sending out a please explain? Oh, oh. I, they have to, obviously, but would you would you would you suggest that the Port Adelaide the Port Adelaide yes years ago, about six seven years yeah. ago though. So, um, but would you suggest that the Port Adelaide doctor has um, breached his duty of care? Um, he's made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> 
has he made a mistake or is he deliberately <laughs> overlooked protocol? I think um, I think uh, by the what Chris Evans was talking about, he just he just said, "Look, the doctor made an error, made a mistake." Of course, they're going to say that, but yep. realistically, well, that's an error that can't be made by a doctor. Like the the vision's there. Uh, Anytime there's talking, a suspected head knock, you're meant to go through yeah. those protocols. So is that practice? Is it malpractice? Well, as I said, he's breached, breached his duty of care. Does this? Does this maybe push the AFL to um, have independent doctors assess these incidents rather than the club doctors? Would the club doctors have the result in the back of their minds? Well, <clears throat> what other excuse could you come up with for this this incident? Yeah. yeah well, that, well, that well that would be the case to open up independent doctors. That's for sure. Should. Should the AFL get on the front foot and go, okay, um, because you didn't follow our protocols, because they've got to cover their asses, as we know, if the head knocks, maybe the Port Adelaide doctor should be suspended for a few weeks? I don't think that's unreasonable. Because mm. he's not following the protocols that are in place to um, cover the old head knocks. That's right. He can still perform his duties with Port Adelaide, but just... He's just not part of their match day. Um, Correct. Ensemble. So, but it's got, not, it isn't something you can just pull him up on and say, hey, next time. No, nah, no. Nah, not when the next AFL get, bang on about concussion as much as they do. I don't think you can go lightly <clears throat> on this and just give a warning. I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing, that, players, we're seeing players suspended because um, they tackle someone whose ear may touch a blade of grass. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the, we're, also, we're also seeing people swing at people and, and collect people in the head and not getting any ramifications for that. So if the AFL were really serious about the, the about the head knocks, they'd clamp down on that as well. We could do a four-day podcast on the inconsistencies and hypocrisies with the AFL and concussion. But if you look at the ones with the tackles, they, they suspend players for accidental or incidental contact how can you not suspend a doctor for a deliberate decision? And the thing is, if you don't come hard on this doctor, other club doctors will continue to do dodginess. So if you set the precedent saying, if you don't follow our medical protocols, even if you are a qualified GP or whatever qualification the doctor has, you will be getting a holiday. Well, I think well, you two are pretty gung-ho on the... Suspension thing. Yeah. Reality is, reality is. I think all that will happen was well, they'll ask to they'll just ask him to explain his actions and then Don't do away do with it. I'm I'm not saying that's what should happen. I'm just saying that's what will happen. Um, yeah. So the good, a good segue now. Port Adelaide are playing Geelong this week, Jez. So um, do you want to talk about uh, their misfortunes on the weekend? Oh no, there's no real, no real misfortunes. They um, they just they, weren't good enough. They just did it to themselves. So it doesn't really doesn't really carry into the misfortune. The misfortune is that uh, compounding that, we're going to miss a couple of important players over the next three weeks, which is going to make it infinitely harder in uh, Blitzarves and Tom Hawkins. Um, so sitting ninth at the moment. Yeah. Um. So two points outside that. A very healthy percentage, though. 
Port Adelaide this week at home, but Port Adelaide have a pretty decent record at GMHBA. Um, and then Collingwood the week after. Um, this is the next two weeks either makes or breaks the season, doesn't it? You need to get at least honestly, one of those. Yeah, honestly, if we drop both of those games, probably curtains for the year, and I wouldn't be... Do you care? Not too, not too disappointed. Do you care to be if you finals or not? Not Obviously really. You prefer to, uh, but what are you going to do in the finals? Yeah, yeah. So what are we going to do um, um, at uh, perhaps at worst reach a semi final interstate and get our ass kicked there? Yeah, that's so right. I, so, what, yeah, what's the point? We so we may as well just hang back, get a get a better draft pick, which which after all these years we probably need. Drop, but, that's right. Drop, drop a couple yeah. spots, get a top ten pick, and away you go. We've been uh, we've been found out that our midfield is ra- is very very thin. Oh, ridiculously uh, thin. Yeah, I think uh, I think the loss of Selwood is really rearing its head now. Is is there um, potential retirements as well? Mitch Duncan, of course, there Isaac is. Smith. Yeah, of course there is. Let's not forget they trotted out the oldest team in in AFL history to win the flag last year. So no, let's not right. act like. So let's not act like it was the start of something when they won a flag. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. So there's going to be some some retirements coming from the midfield. And as I said, it's Mitch Duncan and Isaac Smith, probably the two leading candidates there. Um, I wouldn't so, say Mitch Duncan. I think he's got a, he's got some... There'll be others, there'll be others probably go before Mitch. But, um, yeah, <clears throat> go in, get a top 10 pick and sort of re- restock a little bit. And probably just see what's out there in in the trade market and free agency as well, because as yeah, you said, they're a bit yeah. thin in the middle. I'd rather I'd rather use a draft pick than maybe trade one and get some get a ready made player. No, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not saying trade for a ready trade away that pick for a ready made player. If you could if you could go and get a second for a second or third round pick, go and get a. A, even a Paddy Dare or something like that, would that be worthwhile? Someone yeah. who's probably not getting a look in at another club. I think, I think, I don't think Danger, at this stage of his career, I don't think Danger can just be the number one option in a set of bounce. I just no. don't think he can. I don't, I don't think he's capable of it. But again, um, he's only got another I mean, year or two left in him as well. Yeah, no, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and he he'd do it for half a game, and then he'd sit on the pine for the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, but his body's uh, not up to getting bashed for four quarters like it was. So not, not no, anymore, it no. no, no, it isn't. But that's the same. Well, that's that's well, sorry, getting back to my point that winning the flag last year wasn't the beginning of something. It was the end, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a culmination. They they were getting they were getting kicked in the teeth for ten years, getting to all these prelims and grand finals, and finally they got one. If they're a bit satisfied this year, like I don't really blame them. In theory, Jeremy, in theory, you could argue, even though they've been getting the prelims and getting done, you could almost argue if the way their list was age-wise last year, they almost stole the flag. I don't think anybody stole the flag. Comfortably, don't get me wrong, they won it comfortably. That, but you probably weren't going to predict that Geelong were going to win the flag at the start of last season because the age of the list or that. No. No, but nobody was, no. <clears throat> no, so you could argue they stole it in that respect because no one's seen it coming, except for yeah. probably some Geelong supporters, which is fair enough. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, nobody nobody saw the flag coming. So no. um 
and and with the age of their list, it, it just wasn't it wasn't the same. You know, you know, teams normally win a flag, and you have and you say, oh, have a look at these guys; they're going to be around for years. I don't, that was that wasn't the case last year. Now, that was that was a, a um, that was the last hurrah, wasn't it? If you didn't get it yeah, last lot, year, it was guys, never going to happen. Yeah, a lot, mm. lot of those guys is probably their last opportunity. So, um, yeah, if they're happy with themselves this year, then so be it. Um, <coughs> they're towards the end of their careers anyway. Well, I must eventually, say, eventually, the time is going to come where we're going to have to replenish. Look, as far yeah, as I'm I'll concerned. I wish I was in your um, your uh, shoes with that because I'd be happy if my mob won a flag and we didn't win one for another 70 years. At least I got the cease win a flag. So um, I- I've got no issue of complacency if that is the case. No, I haven't. I haven't, I haven't either, really. Uh, and the, the time for us to replenish the list was going to come at some point, probably sooner rather than later. Uh, by the looks of it, so miss, so missing the eight, and having to, and and probably moving a few guys on, and getting some fresh blood in is probably not the worst thing. Well, Geelong, Geelong are probably now officially at the stage Hawthorne were at when um, Clarko well left yep. and Mitchell took over, where they done what they could with the list. They got a, got the four flags or five flags or whatever it was. Who cares? It's friggin' Hawthorne. Um, you know what I mean? Like, they're probably at that stage now anyway. Well, they're at that stage, but their fall isn't going to be as far as Hawthorne's. Like, I don't envisage Geelong being a bottom four side for a few years. Nah, and really when you look at it that way too, and um, we do mention this occasionally, they've got such a strong home ground advantage. Even a mediocre Geelong team is going to be hard to beat at home. Yeah. Yeah, that's generally, that's generally the case, yeah, even when, even yeah. when we've been rebuilding. Um, yeah. Still difficult to beat you at um, Geelong. And yeah. talking about that, just while we're on at Geelong, um, you didn't join us last week, Jeremy, for whatever reason. You might have been um, doing dishes or something. But um, I must say, I did make a outlandish comment saying don't be surprised if Fremantle actually um, go all right because... To my knowledge, if you look back in history, they haven't been the world's worst performers at Geelong. Yeah, um, they've, so, got a very good, they've got a very good record there. Yeah, so I wasn't exactly surprised that they won, to be brutally honest. Yeah, no, they've got a very good very good track record down there for you, for whatever reason. Um, and it stems back from back in the day when I was living down there and you and I used to go to the footy quite a bit together, um, even back in that era. So we're talking... You know, around about that 2005 sort of era, they were pretty strong down Geelong. Yeah, they got a history of going down the going down the highway and uh, and, and getting some wins. Um, yeah. I think a few few teams might do that over the next few over the next few years. But yeah, yeah, but uh, funny, funny. I'm sitting here with two with a Carlton and St Kilda supporter t- with uh, two of us with their teams entrenched in the eight. Oh, I wouldn't say St Kilda entrenched in the eight. Um, I would and, say you're vulnerable. Well, I'll tell you what, St Kilda and Carlton play each other this week. So um, after after Sunday, um, one team will be a bit more vulnerable than the other. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I believe so. Um, it, yeah, in, in summary, uh, 
lose to Port and Collingwood, not the end of the world, because it would be interesting to watch a final series not being invested. It might be more relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> that, that being said, I said the loser of St Kilda and Carlton's a little bit more vulnerable, but um, uh, looking at the ladder, I don't think either team... Results? Can... Oh, Carlton, Carlton are the only one that may drop out of the eight after this week. Which is only because they half... Yeah. Yeah, St Kilda can't drop out of the eight this week, but they'll be flirting with the the edge of it. But yeah, it's still like we've talked about St Kilda a lot this year. It's never about this year, and I think they they've overachieved already. Even if they don't win another game for the year, um, you'd think eleven wins is a overachieving. I actually believe of the last four games. St Kilda are a red hot chance of winning two of them. Um, Richmond, uh, Richmond and Brisbane? No, nah, Richmond and Geelong at um, Marvel, Marvel would probably be the two I reckon are, are a, a strong chance. I'm not saying yeah. that we will beat Geelong, but I would look at the last four games. Carlton's form for the last month and a bit's been pretty solid, so I don't necessarily expect to walk off the points there. I, rec- I believe we should beat Richmond at uh, Marvel um, in theory, and I, I believe we're a very good chance against Geelong at Marvel, but I don't see us beating Brisbane um, in no. Brisbane. No, they, uh, they had a slip-up on the weekend at, against Gold Coast, but, um, yeah, I think yeah they're, they're not going to play too many games like that. For the rest of the year, yeah, I'm not, and I'm not saying any of the last four games are a given for St Kilda, but out of the four, they're possibly the two I could see us winning. Would that be enough to make the finals, depending on results? Possibly, but but as we said, eleven wins this year, you would have taken that um, in your preseason predictions. Oh shit, yeah, and um, I tell you what, if St Kilda were to jump out of the gates like they did against Hawthorne in the first quarter against Carlton, that might be enough to psychologically break Carlton. But I don't Yeah, see it could be, that. but um, <clears throat> are we really going to back St Kilda to kick straight like that two weeks in a row? Mm. It hasn't been the modus operandi, has it? Yeah, but I, I, don't even, I don't even reckon it's about... It was necessarily about... The kicking straight per se. I, I think in that quarter, the way they set up and played and took Sicily out of the game, their shots were in high percentage areas versus in the in previous games where um, there's a lot of set shots and, and on angles and so not that yeah you know, they're pro footballers they should kick them, but I'm, what I'm trying to get at is the range in which they were taking their shots were in play shots off um, crumbs, that sort of stuff. So probably play to their strength, and that's probably why they kick so accurately. I'm glad you brought up Sicily uh, then, because I remember I I, I was probably chatting to Woody early in the year, and I think, I don't know, Melbourne were playing Collingwood, and I said, well, why couldn't couldn't Simon Goodwin put like a mayor or lever on Darcy Moore and actually play as a negator on that? Lo and, lo and behold, Cooper Sharman's come out and gone, righto, Sicily. I'm going to be on your ass for the whole for the whole game. And that he wasn't and the only fact, one. And in fact, I'm going to do a kappa, and maybe not mark the ball, but um, hmm. he certainly um, 
used um, Sicily as a launching pad quite a bit in that game. Yeah, he wasn't the only one. I think I think uh, Stephen King had Ben King do the same to Harris Andrews as well. Yeah. Okay. Ended up kicking five out. So it's yeah. catching on. Well, it's the same as back when um, Collingwood had Nick Maxwell playing for him, just guarding a bit of grass. And I, and I blame players like him for the way it is now. Um, but it's why don't you? Why don't people make them accountable? It's the the proof's in the pudding, isn't it? Well, well you know what? It's talking about making them accountable. Um, that's what Carlton did with Darcy Moore and Charlie Kerno kicked six. So, I mean, yep. the proof's there, isn't there? It, you, you make these guys accountable, you put somebody on them, you get someone, you know, <clears throat> right on their shoulder every minute of the game and that's how you exploit them because they, they, they're used to playing loose. They're not used to having that attention. And Port Adelaide did the same thing with Dacos for a half a game of football and he was only um, a quarter of the man that he's been up until half time. So attention might be the key to a lot of these players. Who would have thought, hey, you, you play yeah. footy and you, you pick one of your blokes to play on one of their blokes and that puts him under pressure and doesn't allow him to perform at his best. Footy is a very simple game that's been overcoached for the last 20 years. Yeah, yeah. But then you, you've got to have a player um, up for the up for following the task, but... Um, and that's not always easy with some of the brain-dead fools that we have running around that call themselves professional footballers, but we've got a couple of good examples recently. I thought uh, Cooper Sharman acquitted himself pretty well. He he nearly took mark of the year about four or five times, So <laughs> plus he kicked a couple of goals, which is all you can ask. I'll tell you who I think it's did not- take mark of the year on the weekend, and that's Jamie Elliott. I think it was yeah. in the last quarter of the Carlton Collingwood game. Um, he, he's going to be a contender um, when it comes to handing out that award. Talking about oh, awards. Oh, that was the mark he took, not the mark he dropped. No, it was definitely the mark he took, and then he went back and shanked it to the left. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah it, it, always, it almost counteracts the mark, doesn't it, when they go back and shank yeah. it? But anyway, um, talking about... Um, Things of the of the year and of the week. Um, were you doing your uh, Falcon watch? Um, yeah, I was. Caden Coleman, he he wins that this week. Oh, he copped a brutal one to the face um, in the middle of metric. Was it at Metricon or the Gabba? Um, anyway, just uh, <laughs> run, running across and you know got in the way of the kick, and I think he's actually out this week with concussion. That's how good it was. Would he would he um, look good in a Barusha Mooch and Gladback top heading the ball into the back of the net? Well, yes, yes, very well could be. That might be um, another another direction he could take his his career. Well, anyway, anyone would look and good. Not one, that is a Sorry, good mate. point, Jeremy. Who wouldn't look good in a Borussia Mooch and Gladback shirt? Uh, true. <laughs> Matter of fact, we're all out of uniform. Oh, sorry, only two of us have got a uniform, and we're not wearing it. <laughs> So, Caden so Coleman is listed as having a face injury. <clears throat> well, there you a go. Face injury. Um, yeah, no, that hit him flush. And um, a shout out to Peter Wright as well, who was just all alone on the lead and just went straight to his hand and hit him on the top of the head. That was <laughs> that was good to watch as well. Oh, talk, talking about being on the lead or you know being in a better position. 
Did you see what David King pointed out about young Dacos on um, uh, what, what do they call it? Um, the show after bound first crack. First crack. That's right. Yes, he pretty much um's done the old Heisen's bouquet to a few of his teammates <laughs> a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. That, oh, that's something that's something the coach might bring up to him during the week. Just uh, it's much better off if uh, the team scores rather than he scores. Yeah, and look, a lot of people tend to get into David King, but I do like the fact that he analyzes the game and has his own spin on it. And he was pretty much right. He got the old uh, "nah, I'm not going to pass to you" sort of thing a couple of times in that game. Yeah. Also, um. Also, also, may might have pulled out of a couple of contests, would he? Oh, he absolutely did. There was a couple of contests that um, he saw contact coming the other way, and he wanted no part of that. Um, and they were both against Nick Newman, who's probably not known for being a hard nut himself. Um, well, so you could, you could also say you could also say that it's intelligent. The fact that he hasn't hurt himself, he gets to play next week. Well, it's intelligent, but um, when you just step out of the way and let the opposition get the ball, um, is it really that smart? Oh, well, yeah, may, may not be good for the team. Well, let, be let's be honest, Nick, Nick Dacos isn't in the Nick Nate Dacos isn't in the side to win the hard ball all the time. Um, no, he does. He does. He plays loose and he plays unchecked, um, and that's his role. But at the same time, when it's your time to go, you've got to go and. He, he shirked that or, you know, hesitated um, in a couple of those moments um, and the ball goes back the other way. Yeah, look, almost... he's, been, he's been a wonderful player and he's pro- and he'll probably win the Brownlow this year, but that sort of stuff sort of does have to be called out as well. Right. And the, the other thing is that it's that classic Kenny Rogers line, isn't it? Know when to hold him, know when to fold him, know when to walk away, know when to run. Yep. You've got to know when you've got to put yourself on the line and yep. he obviously does not know. No, that's right. But um, <clears throat> they were um, they were just beaten at the contest, Collingwood. Though, um, I I obviously watched the whole game, and I'm tipping you guys did as well. But um, yeah. I don't, Collingwood I haven't Collingwood haven't been put under that sort of pressure all year, have they? Every time they got no, the ball, no, Carl- they were just swarmed. Yeah, Carlton were just pressing up on whoever got it from Collingwood, yeah. were they? And there's there's some people that are on social media and whatever saying, oh, but you know. You see, when Carlton have won every game in this last six games, there's always been excuses. Oh, they played Gold Coast. It was only Hawthorne. Or oh, Port Adelaide had a few players out. Um, well, Carlton had five of their best 22 out this week um, and lost Adam Chera just after half time. He's probably been their best player this year. Um, and then there's people going, oh, well, you know, Collingwood weren't at their best. Well, I'll give you the tip. Sometimes there's a team that's not at their best because the other team doesn't let them play their best. And Carlton bought the pressure which did not allow Collingwood to play their game. Honestly, and, and I found that... You know what? I, Craig McRae was out-coached too. I believe he was as well. I, I did find out something this, this weekend, um, which may have been there all along, or it may have, may have just been brought in. Apparently, if you tell the umpire to look up at the screen, that's a 50-metre penalty. Uh, that that happened at the start of the year um, when they cracked down on the descent rule, but they've let it go a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I think. Well, I think I saw it, it happen. That was oh, Nathan Murphy did it definitely. Yeah, yeah, I saw it happen twice in the Carlton game, wasn't it? Yeah, I only remember the Nathan Murphy one. 
But what did we say at the start of the year, though? They're, they're cracking down the descent rules. So when it comes to with the umpire, just shut your mouth. Yeah. And we know <laughs> we know most umpires are blind maggots. They don't need to be told that. They and, know that. And we, we also know that umpires get sucked into um, the crowd and momentum as well, don't they? Yeah. That you usually what we have four central umpires these days, don't we? By memory, yep. That's four. That's four rain men running around um, yep. the ground. So, but you know, com complain about the umpires as much as you want. They don't. They don't determine the outcomes. So, Carlton won comfortably. Um, they were up by 36, 38 points into the last quarter, and Collingwood kicked the last three. So, let's not pretend that it had any bearing. Um, Collingwood kicked poorly too for goal, didn't they, by memory? Yeah, yeah they did. They did. Mm. And, but that's, that that's normal, to do with the pressure. I was buried to say that before you jumped in, was that that's normally got a cor correlation to pressure, among other things, lack of ability and uh, whatnot. But um, usually the lack of ability um, shines very well when there's a lot of pressure on. Tell, tell you who else shone well on the weekend. That was Jacob Wiedering. He's... He's back into his best form, and that that does wonders for Carlton. So we've got Melbourne in two weeks as well. So after get past this St Kilda game, and don't take it lightly, of course, because St Kilda looked good the last few weeks as well. But um, that that oh, Carlton Melbourne good game, in patches. That, that, let's not overstate. Let's not overstate St Kilda. They've looked good in patches. Oh, let's not understate them either. But if um, <clears> but yeah, that Carlton Melbourne game um, has got the makings of a. Of a very very big blockbuster, could be uh, Some, could could be a top four on the line. Well, Some experts are no, saying I Melbourne that, are back. But... Uh, Melbourne are back. Carlton should make the eight from here, but let's not pretend that they're going to be pushing for the top four. I think that's a bit far fetched. Well, one thing that has come to light after the Carlton Collingwood game is. This so-called grasp on the flag this year for Collingwood is looking a little bit threatening now. A little bit threatened. But the the other results went perfectly for Collingwood as well, didn't they? So Collingwood lose, and then the other the other teams the other pushing for the top two spots also lose. So it's yeah, probably not as big lost, a deal for them. The win, lost by 100, the win, nine points combined. The top three lost by. Yeah, but the win for Carlton is a much bigger deal than it is for Carlton winning rather than it would have been for Collingwood losing. Yeah. And yeah. Um, speaking of Collingwood, it might be time to give Josh a shout-out, Tim. Yeah, it could be. Um, yeah, Josh Watson probably working at the South Melbourne McDonald's as we speak. He will be doing the editing, and he will also be utilising the velvet tones of Zaggy 2, and Woody, if I was really the least bit interested in this podcast, how can I reach out to us? Uh, NPO Sports on Facebook or NPO underscore Sport on Twitter. Awesome. And, um, yeah, I guess let's wait this time next week and discuss round 21. All right. See you later. See ya. Thank you.